Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah. How are you doing, bro? Good. How are you, man? The lighting's a bit off today, um, but it should be all right. Good start to the week. Yeah, interesting start to the week. All right. Hand. Yeah, I was just saying to everyone um, that you and I both went to Warwick University together. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we've known each other for, well, since the beginning, for, for 12 years, which is actually quite crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking the other day, like graduating 2009, yeah. that's 11 years ago. That's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time. And I think um, something that's, I think my um, play into our conversation today is 0809 was when we were recovering from the last major world recession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When definitely. stocks would have been at all-time lows. But I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that as we, we, um, as we uh, make our way through the conversation. So just be, for the people at home who uh, haven't heard of you or haven't heard of Stock Pickers Academy, um, who are you? Um, and tell us about why you, you founded Stock Pickers Academy. Um, for everyone... Anyone in the, um, anyone listening in who's just seen me for the first time, my name is Debiden. Um I'm a trader. I've been a trader for about 11 years. Um, I, I founded Stock Pickers by accident. Can I say that? It actually came through, um, came through organically. So I think about three or four or five years ago, um, I had a group chat with a few friends, maybe about uh, six, seven of us. And then it became eight, nine, ten, and then it was 20. And, right. uh, and the purpose wasn't actually stocks. It was just to connect with other black professionals working in front office because that was a thing back then. And um, I put a tweet out earlier today um, about the fact that there's gener generational wealth and then there's generational careers. This I is loved, where I loved that tweet. I love that tweet. This is where you you do well in the city or whatever career field you're you're in, and then you pass that knowledge down to the next generation, because yeah. generational wealth can only come about, especially in our community, where there's a larger proportion of people from our community who's success who's actually successful. Yeah. Um, from a career point of view and then you can have savings and then you can meet your financial aspirations um, so I actually started Stock Pickers because I was told by a lot of my friends at the time that devs you're making good profit um, you know instead of sharing it with us why don't you actually set up a fund or you know set up another group and get more people in and mm. just you know let's, let's get the conversation going on stocks so it wasn't actually supposed to be a business or it was just supposed to be um, a community 
where we discuss stocks. Now, that was maybe three or four years ago. So the WhatsApp group has been in existence for, for, for quite some time, just not in okay. its current form. It okay. was called something else before. <laughs> we initially had um, the Stock Pickers Association. And then as time went on, um, I think maybe it was Stock Pickers Association for a good two years. Um, and then the WhatsApp group got full because people invited their friends. Yeah. It wasn't actually supposed to be educational initially. It was just supposed to be a group of 20, 30, 40 people that I knew in investing, in, from the investing community okay. in the city, sharing ideas and letting each other know what we were doing. But as the group grew, the demand for an education aspect um, came emerged. And initially it was a bit, you know, everyone would answer questions if they felt they could, you know, answer the questions being asked. And then I decided to um, set up the website and put a few frequently asked questions because I found myself repeating the same questions <laughs> like what platform and so on and so forth. Um, so then I put recommended books as well. Yeah. Um, afterwards, I then, um, it was only January this year, actually, that I started the Instagram page, which is quite late because I thought, okay, there's, a, there's demand. The waiting list for the WhatsApp group was 200. And I couldn't manage that anymore because it was just like, how am I supposed to remember who was who? It would just yeah, yeah. It just became a little bit more, um, a bit too tedious for me. Yeah. So I decided to start the Instagram. And I, I just thought maybe, you know, half the people from the WhatsApp group even use Instagram. So it was just a place for me to have on social media um, some of the stuff that I was putting on the website just in one place. Yeah, And then the Telegram started in February because someone said, listen, have you guys heard of Telegram? You know, guys on the waiting list can go there. And I realized, you know, there are quite a few people on Instagram who seemed quite interested. So I thought, okay, instead of starting another WhatsApp group, let me start a Telegram group. So I downloaded the Telegram and the first month was, I was barely in there myself. Mm -hmm. And then the stock market crashed in March. Yeah. And suddenly the Telegram group started popping off. Yeah. Everyone was inside and sharing ideas. And I found myself using the Telegram group more than the Instagram group. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, the main purpose of the Telegram and the WhatsApp and starting a community is I realized, at least from the career front, there were not that many black traders in the city. Right. So I do a lot of stuff on the career stuff with City Jobs Coaching. That's the, my, my other page. Mm -hmm. um, but right now there was a crash. I could tell quite a lot of people um wanted to get involved in the stock market um so i decided to um create a watch list the watches had all the ideas coming out of the group and i was collating it into one place as they were coming out um and then i decided to you know put my own technical expertise onto the spreadsheet because okay. whilst i can't give investment advice um people people in that group were investing regardless of you know whether i was going to say buy this or buy this. So I thought, okay, let me create a risk management framework, a yeah. process where someone who knows nothing about stocks likes a stock. Instead of just buying it, I create a thought process that says, um, what's a good price? What price would devs buy at? Right. And that's always going to be cheaper than whatever the current market price would be. Um, mm -hmm. So I created what I call uh, risk management advice rather than investment advice. 
And, and then I started doing these sessions behind the Zoom screen where I was teaching people the basics around investing and my own personal strategy. That's fantastic. And I think the, the cool thing about your story is the fact that you said it all emerged by accident and it was demand-led. So at every step of the way, you knew that you were serving your community and you knew that people out there definitely wanted this stuff because it was like you weren't really pushing it. You were just kind of using the platforms that people existed on and just helping yeah. along on their journeys. Um, something that you said that's very interesting, though, is you worked in the city. You've got 10 years experience as an investment banker, 10 years um, and, and in the hedge fund industry, too. And that it was predominantly, I'm guessing, uh, white people working in those industries. Um, yeah. doesn't need to be specific percentages, but what percentage of the people um, there came from the black community and from, and from other communities as well? Yeah, I mean, it was like flying the coconut ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like right. um, you look around. <laughs> I, I looked around and I just didn't see anyone like myself. Yes. Um, in a trading role, right? Um, when I did see an ethnic minority, was in um, in a in a still a, a decent role, but not revenue generating, um, and that was a bit of a challenge. Um, there was a big part of me that felt like I had to. I felt responsibility that how I do, um, how I perform, my performance will affect the perception of anyone else black who comes through the door. Yeah, yeah. For the sorry to cut you for the um, for the non-black people listening. This is why I like to call black PR. Like when when you have a, uh, I, I like to call it the the single chocolate chip in the in the cookie situation. <laughs> um, there is this kind of sense that you're representing, um, like completely Maybe. incorrectly, but representing an entire community of people, and so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it does inform the way that you behave sometimes. But sorry to cut you, Debs. No, that's um, that's pretty much it, you know. Um, yeah. So I knew that if there are not that many black professionals, mm. how can there be that many black people investing in the markets, right? So I was, I was getting this knowledge through before the crash. I was trying to get myself out there, get this knowledge out there before the crash, the crash just caused an acceleration. Mm. And back in 2008, there were not, I mean, eToro was around, but that was it. And Saxo Bank and some of the more traditional places, but the knowledge wasn't out there. Mm. The knowledge wasn't out there at all. And this was causing um, a disconnect between the haves and the have-nots. And the one, you know, like um, I heard recently, Someone else used this phrase, but the, the person with the most information wins. Yeah. Right. Everyone was worrying about the credit crunch. No one was, no, if you didn't know and you weren't in a city, no one was telling you to buy stocks. I wasn't buying stocks. I was looking at opportunities in Forex because that was, you know, that was my, my, my specialism, which is very different from investing. That's just trading. Um, but what I'm trying to put forward to people is, in the medical profession, you have nurses, you've got surgeons, right? Trading is like being a surgeon. Um, being a nurse or a junior nurse, I think, or so a nurse that's still training, I'd say you can compare to investing, right? 
everyone can everyone can learn first aid, right? What I'm teaching is first analogy. aid. That's a great analogy. What I'm teaching is first aid. So I realized that for, for this to work, I had to create my own strategy. I had to create a strategy that was I'm too busy friendly. I had to create a strategy that was I don't have money to invest right now friendly, which is um, on my Google sheet. I've actually created a, a simulated virtual so people can learn the skill and navigate their way through what's going on right now, even if they don't have the funds to. So when they are ready, they've got that skill. Um, it's also, I know what I'm talking about, friendly, because what I realize is a lot of my clients are CFA. When I say a lot, I say 20% of my clients are CFA holders. And a CFA, for anyone that's listening, is the equivalent of maybe an ACA in accounting or PGCE for teaching. It's like a, a bit of a driving license into the asset management world. Um, and that was a bit of a surprise. In fact, someone who who um, who I've worked with, someone who was influence, influential in hiring me, has you know effectively become my client as well. Um, and you can never know too much. In fact, I learn a lot from my beginners as well because mm. beginners come with fresh ideas, they come with fresh trends, and all I do is teach them a process that they can use to manage what it is that they're learning. And this, is, this has been one of the most um, interesting aspects of, um, of stock pickers because the beginners are bringing a lot to the table and I'm just making sure that they don't make mistakes. I'm just mm -hmm. making sure that they don't gamble. I'm just making sure that they, because like I always say to, <laughs> to the stock pickers, the market has to eat as well. You know, yeah. the market is there waiting for beginners and this is how a lot of the platforms make their money but one of the things i actually teach is how the platforms operate how the platforms set their buy prices and their sell prices once you can understand both sides of the coin how the algos think how hargus lansdowne thinks how trading 212 thinks how ig index thinks then you're you're far more equipped you're far more equipped to be able to um to, to, to make more informed decisions. Like I tell people, there's nothing wrong with buying a risky stock. There's nothing wrong with buying a low quality company, but there's something wrong with not knowing that it's a low quality company that you're buying, right? Because that knowledge will then influence the amount that you set in terms of the size that you use to buy that security. So where race comes into it is, most of our parents, I'd say, were not telling us, get a stocks and shares ISA, start investing. So we didn't go through uni and start our careers thinking, okay, you know what? I'm going to start a stocks and shares ISA. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you something I tell a lot of my um, clients. What you're learning is a skill. That's great. That's going to be good for you now. But more importantly, if you're 35, you're 40. I've got clients ranging from 17 all the way up to 65. And the message I'm, I'm giving them is what you're learning now, by the time your child is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, you're telling them what you're doing. They're going to be more knowledgeable. They're not going to be learning at 35. And that's where the, you see, I tell my clients, investing starts in the mind. It starts in the mind. How are you making your decisions? 
not like I, I don't care about making money or losing money or being right or being wrong. What I care about is was the decision I made to invest one that would give me the best chance of being right, the, yeah. the least chance of being wrong. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I know that as probabilistic thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. You weigh up the the outcome and you make a decision based upon the percentage that you think that the the outcome will be. Um, exactly. I had a, had a question for you, uh, Debs, just on the on because on the racial wealth gap point. If you look at um, ONS statistics. Runnymede Trust, household wealth statistics, there's an ethnicity pay gap, there's a household wealth um, pay gap. And um, I'm not even going to say unfortunately, because the stats are just what the stats are. Black British groups yeah. are always towards the bottom of those tables. So you've touched, you've touched upon one of the causes, perhaps, of why there's this gap, which is an informational gap. Are there any other things within the community that you think are also leading to this gap? And crucially, what, what, what could the solutions be? Um, I think maybe a bit of the point I touched on earlier, the fact that it's not coming from our parents, mm -hmm. most of our parents. Not that our parents don't know much about investing, it's just the nature of the investing that a lot of our parents would do or would be knowledgeable about would be buying a house or mm -hmm. buying land or you know, starting your own business which is very different from buying stocks or investing in the financial market. And I think the UK in particular is, is behind America, um, especially in the, in, if we're talking about BAME or the black community. I think the black community in America, they are pretty clued up with stocks and investing in the financial markets far more than the UK um, black community. So I think it's, always going to be a function of your surroundings, the schools you go to, what you get taught in lessons, and so on and so forth. I think that will always influence um, what you know or what you don't know about, you know, what to do with your savings. Um, I'll tell a little story um, about pensions as well very quickly. Uh, okay, yeah. I, when I was working at Barclays, I was putting, you know, 500 pounds a month into my pension and I really thought I was doing something and then one day I just stopped and I said like the final ma the financial markets are designed so again the person with the most information wins right so if you don't know that there are other things out there and you know okay I still need to do something that's where you end your that's that that is when you end up doing things like this because the pension is the next best thing, right? And, and in fact, you want a little bit of everything. You have to remember that you do get a pension. Everyone gets a pension. So to be honest, apart from what you're entitled to, if you're then forking out your income and pulling that in, then you've got to maybe think about, is there anything else? Is there any tricks that I'm missing? And this is where technology has come to help to bridge that gap. There wasn't WhatsApp in the last crash. There wasn't Telegram. There wasn't Instagram, right? The technology and how it's affected the, the, the number of platforms that are out there for you to use to invest has made a massive, massive um, impact in bridging that gap. And this is, this is quite important. Um, in terms of what else can be done other than technology, 
um, I feel, and I say this to my to my um, to my allies, it's not just one person's job. I'm not competing with Mr. Money Jar. I'm not competing with Jax. I'm not competing with everyone else in the space. There has to be a collaboration. Of course. Right? Because there's some people that just wouldn't come across the Stock Pickers page, but they might come across you, right? And there are others like Bola as well, where, you know, I, I refer people to Bola. I refer people to your page. I post, you know, anyone I see in finance, I post their, their stuff to story every now and again, because the more people access you've got to diversify your information sources as well right you can't just listen to me you can't just listen to you you can't just listen to you know jacks you can't just listen to you know diversify where you're getting your information from and take the best from each person i completely agree with you on the competition point i also think that we occupy different niches so um i talk about um investing sometimes but i also you know i i'm trying to basically take a, a a wide range of financial concepts and make them understandable. Yeah. So I'm kind of covering the whole gamut. Um, and yeah, definitely the more of us there are, the the more of a market there is and, and the better off we all are. Um, this is like slightly related, but I did a post over the weekend, um, basically breaking down what Black Pound Day was. And there was a really yeah, heavy yeah, comment. On, thank you. Um, commenter in the comments going, this is disgusting. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you would focus on I just black and sorry. I said I missed that. Yeah, I yeah. said I missed that comment. I like comments like that because I like yeah, to engage. Yeah. yeah, like this is disgusting. Why would you focus on black-owned businesses? Um, everyone is the same. Blah blah blah. And I just had to go back and say, like, yeah, like every human being is the same. But when you look at the statistics, there is a clear like disparity. So either you see this as a problem that's worth solving, or you don't. And if you think it's a problem that's worth solving, then here is a very proactive, targeted, solution-driven approach to it. Um, yeah, that, that, that comment exchange is at the bottom of that post for people who want to see it. Um, another question I had for you was um, just on the pension point. Actually, it's, it's a challenge to you, which is, yes, everyone gets a pension, but you could use, in theory the self-invested pension wrapper to do your investing, right? You would, yeah. I mean, you would sacrifice the access. You'd have to wait until, you know, 50-odd or 60-odd to get the money. But what's your view on um, taking a more proactive approach to investing in a pension through a SIP wrapper? Yeah, so I, I do that as well. Okay. Um, so when I left Goldman and when I left Barclays, um, I consolidated all my pensions. Oh. You do that as well. Wicked. I thought I that was no just choice. me. Goldman, yeah. Gold, Goldman, Goldman rung me up and said, if I didn't claim my pension and move it away, then, you know, then I lost it. I said, no way. All right, all right, all right. So, uh, yeah, I had no choice. And this is actually what kind of, this is what actually kickstarted my stock pickers uh, journey Fantastic. in a way, because I started by actively investing my pension because I had to. I was told mm -hmm. I had to. And then from there, I realized, whoa, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite good at this thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, from there, that, that's when the Stocks and Shares ISA started and the sharing of the knowledge started. Um, but it was actually because there was a need for me to. Um, and, you know, one thing I'll say, right, Stock Pickers isn't a black 
um, black only business. It is a black owned business, right? To address the, the, the commenter and the, and the thing who clearly didn't get your, your, your caption. So I've got white people, I've got Asian people, I've got people from all walks of life. On my LinkedIn, there's probably maybe 200, 300 contacts from my LinkedIn. And, you know, maybe 50% of them are from ethnic minorities. And everyone contributes. The knowledge can come from everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm very aware, um, and, I, and I said this in the group the other day, I'm very aware that Stop Pickers is positioned for a large percentage of the black community to benefit because, you know, a lot of my friends do come from, you know, the black community. But I have friends from all communities as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all access. But at the end of the day, there's a problem that I'm trying to solve personally, which is so many people who look like me don't know about stocks. Now, if on, along that journey, other cultures and other communities get involved, the more the merrier. Yeah. You know, everyone's welcome to the party. Everyone is welcome to the party. Um, and I'm a big fan of collaboration. I, I hadn't done Insta Live before. I had to learn how to use Canva. I had to learn how to do a lot of things that I wasn't comfortable. And it was people like yourself, people like Bola, people like Eman Effect that just, you know, just gave me advice, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm still on the journey. And I tell my, I tell my clients, I haven't, we do the compound interest uh, calculation and I like to see their faces light up because if you can do 20% on 5K for 25 years, consistently that's half a mil right yeah yeah now I, i'm very transparent with them i say i haven't done that i'm on year six i haven't reached the 25 years but if i wait till i reach the 25 years how am i going to transfer the knowledge right so i feel one of the biggest things that i did in stock pickers that not many people out there will do is i said okay you know what i'm going to put my neck on the line so for the past three and a half years, I've shared every single transaction that I've made in the stock market. Okay, transparency. Transparency gets you your credibility. It gets you your reputation, right? And I don't say that to be cocky. I say that to be real, right? People see my losses. People see my gains. But more importantly, people see my process. People see how I manage positions that are not going well. But that is free. If you join the Telegram group, it's free. I charge for tuition, but the Telegram group community has over a thousand people and it's free. And I share my stuff in there, right? Every transaction that I make in the stock market goes into that group, right? Sometimes I buy some low quality assets, it goes in. Sometimes I buy some higher quality assets, it goes in. But they get to see how I'm kind of structuring my portfolio and how I manage things when they're not going well. And I think that that's a bit that often gets missed out from the investment process. Um, by It's not intentional. I don't think it's, it's a malicious thing. I just think it's not easy to, um, it's not easy to, to back yourself in that way in such a public forum. Right. Yeah. But obviously I know that, through my career, I mean, I was responsible for managing money for the bank. 
right? So I've made losses, I've made gains, I've, I've gone through that whole cycle, I've had the right mentors. So if you haven't, it can be a bit difficult to just put yourself out there and because I, I, can, I can handle things not going well, I can handle things going well, right? But the big part of the stop pickers process is the big focus is actually how you handle things when they go wrong because a good investor needs to survive and surviving is all about losing the least amount possible when you're wrong, right? Capping, capping the downside. Um, you have a saying that you, you told me once and that I've actually, um, I've actually used elsewhere, so I'll make sure to send the royalties your way, which yeah. is uh, dips ain't just for chips. Yeah. Within the context of a recession, could you explain what that means to people? And also, I can see someone's written a question on the question cards. Could you please drop your question in the chat? Just because um, when I bring up question cards on my phone, I can't then make them go away, and then it covers the, the guest's face. Um, but yeah, dip, dips ain't just for chips. Yeah, dips are not just for chips. I used to have another one, which is hedges are for gardens, but that's, that's not a good <laughs> one. <laughs> it just sounds nice. <laughs> But um, yeah, like 2008 and now we're experiencing one of the biggest stock market crashes in the world. Um, and I've been preaching something for the past three years and not many people were quite, um, not many people bought into it. Let's put it that way, right? Um, and this is, I, I tend to leave almost half my portfolio as cash. And people are like, oh, it's uninvested, it's not doing much. You can't buy, you can't put a price on optionality. By optionality, I mean that option to be able to act when there's an opportunity that's too good to be true. Right. So when March came, you have to remember, like I've been investing before the, the crash. The biggest test of an investor is, can your portfolio survive a crash? And many people could have been investing in a method that's not necessarily the best for a period of like, um, let's say five years. You can invest in for five years, making good gains, thinking that you're doing things the right way. March happens you're fully invested or 85% invested and you're holding a big bag that you can't, you can't manage. Leaving cash spare is no different to having an emergency fund. Yeah. So one of the big things that I actually teach is the investment, the emergency fund equivalent in a portfolio is your spare cash. I try to keep that close, close to about 50%. Right. So when March came, it was, it was, it was Christmas. <laughs> it, was Black, it was Black Friday, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was Christmas. So on my watch list, Apple was saying bye. Tesla was saying bye. Snapchat was saying bye. I chose Snapchat. Um, I'm emotionally invested in this stock. Um, and it's since, it's since done really well. I mean, it's done 200%. Um, even though Tesla's done, you know, quite a lot. Apple's done, you know, more than doubled. Um but my watch list grew from about 100 to about 500. And it was about 100 
in February, March. So between, and it's been like that, it's been growing towards 100 for like three years. Be between March and now, it's gone from about 100 to 500 because the group has become more active. And when you say watch list, is this, um, are these active positions or is this just stocks that you, that you have? I collate every single idea that comes out of the group. All right. Okay. Every single idea that comes out of the group gets collated onto a watch list. I then okay. put some more columns on it that mm -hmm. calculate some things for me that help me to set prices that I feel are safe, safer than buying now. Put mm -hmm. it that way. Mm -hmm. So it's not all if the if the thing alerts is telling you to buy. What it's really saying is if you start your buying process at this level or below, you're less likely to make a large loss. Okay. A large loss. So it's more risk management than it is. Oh, I've got a, I've got anyone can pick stocks, but what happens when you get hit by a bus? Right. What happens when March happens? Corona, completely unplanned. You can't learn about Corona in the textbooks. COVID-19 came out of nowhere. And if your process wasn't robust to handle pain, then it's blood. You're bleeding. Mm. And no one likes to bleed. The thing about stocks that make it different from other asset classes, number one, you're only out if the stock goes bankrupt. Right? And this is very, very important. And number two, if you're holding a, a, a loss, you kind of, if you, if you don't have a plan, you're either just sitting on red without a plan or you can actually um, end up waiting years before you can break even. So you need to have a strategy that manages that. And the last thing I say to my clients is, well, another thing, there's no last thing. <laughs> number, number one, processes have to evolve. You can't, there's no holy grail in investing, you see, where you just do the same thing over again for forever and, and you keep making money, right? On the other side of the screen is computers. 10 years ago, it was actual human beings, right? The, the, the computers have just replaced the humans behind the screens, but we're still the humans on the other side. And there's something that we can do that the computers can't have Insta lives like this, right? talk amongst ourselves real time. So we still have a little bit of an edge as a community. And what I've realized is there's a new wave, a new way of making money, which is what I call community-driven investing. Community-driven investing, which is where you are the data that historically would have fed into some machine and someone somewhere would have been looking at. So... Yeah, this is this is quite interesting. It's quite important, um, and yeah, I do like to make sure that clients and the community is very well aware that your process has to get tweaks every now and again. A bit like your iPhone getting upgrades, mm -hmm. and it has to match the environment you're in. So before I was maybe putting on a transaction, I went six months without putting on a tra transaction once, but when the opportunities came around that COVID through. I started to feel a bit like a day trader on my SIP, on my stocks and shares ISA. That's not meant to be the case. But we were all at home. We had time. These opportunities were there. You take it. You adjust. And 
these conversations and this way of thinking comes from years and years and years of working in industry, right? So when it comes to bridging that racial gap, what it is, everyone has to come together. Everyone has to come together from all the different races. And then you, 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 you hit a point where there's a bit of consistency. I do hope that everyone does come together because, um, yeah, the way the world, the way that wealth works is if everyone is better off, then everyone is better off. Like wealth, wealth disparity, um, pay gaps, investment gaps benefit nobody. Um, you want to, just to use the apple tree um, analogy, you want everyone to have like a, a fully productive apple tree because that's more apple yep. for everyone that's how wealth works um we've had a question from um i he, he cooper i hope i'm pronouncing that properly i want to open uh stocks and shares isa for my little brother he's 11 years old but he's part of the generation i got a child trust fund from the government and apparently can't have both anyways around this um just so that we don't veer too much off topic and um just in the interest of time you can transfer a child trust fund to junior isa if you choose to go down that route, if you go to which.co.uk, they have a really good one page explainer on the pros and the cons of um, how to do that. Um, I just have one last question. Oh, we've actually, we've got another, another question for you, Debs. Um, yeah. What type of investor are you growth value or short medium term investor? That's from Tobia Balogun. Okay. I'll put it out there. I can day trade. I can scout. I can swing trade. I can weekly trade, monthly trade. Um, I can pretty, pretty much trade most products that are out there and invest in them. But I try and all that changes is my, my thought process. Right. So when I'm managing my pension, I know that I've got a bigger time frame. So I can invest in a struggling industry like Rolls Royce in there, knowing that, okay, it's going to probably go down a bit probably will buy some more at a stage, um, but it's my sip, right? And then my stocks and shares ISA, I'd look at and say, well, you know what? Um, I, I probably medium, I'll say medium term. So, I mean, I've got my longest holding has been five years. That was Toller Oil. And then I've also had... Um, my yeah, apart from Tolo, oh, I'll say there are a few other positions I've held for one year, two years. I'm holding a current position, a few positions in my portfolio at the moment have been there for three years. I've got positions where, and this is another thing we say in the stock pickers, you go in with a long-term mindset, right? But if Christmas comes early, you eat the tacky, right? So, for example... We went into, I went into Groupon the other day, right? My sheet was saying, this is a really safe level. And then from that, I then decided to go into, um, well, in the, in the back of my mind, I thought, okay, this is going to be there for a couple, you know, couple months, maybe, maybe a year. Two weeks later, doubled in price. That's a hundred percent return. I may have expected that same return over, say, 
Um, maybe a year, year and a half. That's what I thought in the back of my mind when I got in. Yeah, yeah, I think because um, I remember but Christmas I bought, comes early. Yeah, gone. I, I bought shares in PayPal in in twenty seventeen, and I think a year or two after that, it had doubled. I yeah, it's that, at two hundred dollars now. Yeah, I think I bought I bought it at fifty three or something. Um, so that's the sort of time frame. But yeah, we're in in a, in a market crash, which is essentially a sale for individual stocks. Um, Provided you're happy with the fundamentals of the company and you know why you're buying it, you can buy really good companies at a discount. Or, or yeah. indexes at a discount. I mean, the bread and butter is always going to be buying a good company at a discount. Yeah. But I say to people, because I get different types of clients, I get clients who like, they want to learn how to day trade. And I'm like, listen, create your bread and butter. Don't come into this with fast with a fast money mindset come into this with a mindset of um, wanting to how can I explain it turn 5k into 6k in a year 1k right that, to some people that doesn't sound like much because you can go to McDonald's do a couple shifts and make way more right but compounding you're in it for the long run when you buy a house right and some houses we're talking 200k 300k 400k you buy a house, you are not thinking, oh, okay, yes, you can take equity out of a property, but generally you're not thinking about that the bulk of that money until 25 years' time. And you're paying monthly into your mortgage, right? You've got to have the same mindset for investing. So I always say you save a portion of your income. You invest a portion of your savings, so your investing account becomes the last money you touch when you need finances. You start with your bank account and then you dip into your savings. So that enables you to benefit from compounding because at the back of your mind, you tell yourself, this isn't money I'm going to spend now, right? And like I always say, investing starts in the mind. If you've got that aspect patterned, I like this word patterned, I just use it a lot. <laughs> If you've got that aspect of your investment process in place, then the rest is just like process, using... Le There's this stigma in retail investing where people don't like to share what, what they're in. People, people think that, you know, it's like someone's going to steal your business idea. There's nothing you thought of that someone else hasn't thought of before, right? I'll tell you that for free. The more you share... Like now, sometimes I might have a moment where maybe I've just been a bit too busy to remember something. And someone says, oh, Debs, have you seen, they know the position I have. And therefore, they give me information about that position. It covers you. You cover yourself. Let people know what you're investing in. Share what's on your watch list. Engage in those discussions. Because now, I mean, I learn a lot from my clients. Some of my clients teach me stuff that I otherwise would not have known. One of my clients used to work in, um, I think, Sonos. Another one used to work in Facebook. And from beginners, from people who might not know about the investment process, that doesn't mean they don't know about some of the businesses that are on the watch yeah. list. Yeah, this is the uh, strength of investment clubs, you know, getting people from different industries together 
and they yeah. understand the the market dynamics of those industries. We've got um we've got a few questions in the chat, but I'm just uh just conscious of the time. We'll take one of the questions and then we'll go into the rapid fire questions. Um, okay. Just to wrap up this conversation. And the question uh, that I'm going to go for is from Arthur Plates. And it's what, what has been your most successful investment? What has been my most successful investment? Usually I get asked what's my biggest loss, but um, <laughs> my, most, <laughs> my most successful investment in terms of how much I made or Let's go for percentage gain. I, I imagine it's percentage gain, unless Arthur was... It's, not, it's actually on my page. My most successful investment is actually on my page, Precipio. So here's how this one came about. Someone put it on the chat. Um, I, I looked at it, did my due diligence, and we've, we've got this fantastic culture in uh, stock pickers. We call it, uh, you know, send me a fiver. So this how it started. Someone will post some massive gains and I'll be like whoa lend me a tenner then mate lend me a fiver lend me one pound you know just just for banter to say you know to make them feel good you know like you're you're doing well feed the rest of us and then that emerged into a kind of um thank you culture we don't have enough of a thank thank you culture in in our communities so the thank you culture is someone shared a news article you did your due diligence. You invested. You made money. Buy that person a drink, right? So now we've got cash up in the group and people are making money from each other. People right. are sending five. Yeah, in the Telegram group, uh, there's Kwame, the Kwame's of this world. He makes 30, 40, 50 pound a month because he shares interest in articles that people invest on the back of and make money. And people say, what's your cash app? What's your PayPal? Just give him a quick fiver. And the fiver is not going to change your life, but it's brownie points and it drives engagement. The more mm -hmm. engagement, the more ideas, the more stocks onto the watch list, into my process, the more alerts, everybody wins. Right. We'll move so on. My to most successful investment is Precipio. I put in, I think, a grand and a half and it went up 500% in a day. That's a career one. That's not going to happen every day. <laughs> but I like the idea. It sat at a 30% loss for a whole month and then boom. And this was more COVID related. Mm -hmm. I never really would have invested in that without the group. Because usually I, I, I would take, you know, your PayPal's, your Snapchats, these kind of investments. But yeah, that, that, that was the story of uh, Precipio. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my worst. Nectan. I lost 2K in Nectan because um, it went into administration. And literally yeah. that just, nothing you can do about that. My mm. process, I was happy with. Everything about it, I was happy with. Um, but it just wasn't my day. And you have to accept that. If you can't take a loss, you shouldn't be in investing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd never had a stock going to administration before. And that was in um, at the start of this year. But at the same time, I've also not had a better six-month period in my entire life than from March to now. I can imagine. I can imagine. We've got a few questions in the chat about how to join um, stock pickers. So let's do the rapid-fire questions. 
and then uh, we can sign off with uh, how people can find you and how people can join should they want to join. Okay. So uh, these questions go to all the guests on the Mr. Money Jar show. First question is, what's been your biggest financial achievement? You may have just described it through Precipio, but if you have another one, uh, do, do, do share. Um, maybe one of my bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> cool. Um, what money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago? Uh, you don't want to hear that one. But, um, I mean, 10 years ago, the money advice I would have given myself at that time is spend. But now, looking back, I didn't know what I know now then, which is part of why I do this. Given what I know now, I would have, the same way you save money up towards a house, I would have done the same thing for a stocks and shares ISA. Because the stock market is a can be used as a high interest savings account and the strategy i choose is the, the the strategy i actually teach is designed to to on a best efforts basis use the stock market as a high interest savings account which means that there there's some aspects of it that people may not understand like coming out of uh stock where you've seen 80 percent gains whereas that stock can still keep going but the bottom line is at the end of the year I want to look back and say, I hit my 20% target or more. Yeah. I mean, last year I did 65%. This year I did 41%. My first year I did 80, but my, my account was smaller, you know? So you've got to think of it relatively, right? The bigger you get, the, the harder it is to achieve that 20%. Mm -hmm. um, and this is why on my course, I actually have a virtual portfolio and your virtual portfolio is set to double whatever you, the amount you actually start with. So you've got both portfolios side by side. And what the virtual portfolio does on the, on the spreadsheet, which has life pricing, is it enables you to get your mindset ready for a bigger size because you're simulating bigger sizes. Yeah, yeah. I also find that the trading 212 practice mode is good for that if you just want to get into the, um, like what it's like. The, to the execution there. aspects of yeah. investing. Yeah, it's actually really well designed. Um, if you were to win the lottery, let's say you were to win £10 million, how would you allocate that money? Um, five mil goes straight into investing. A mil goes to my family, just make sure everyone's all right, make sure everyone's good. Um, and the rest, I just use it to enjoy life, you know. If there's a, but I, I'll focus on stuff like people may not know, but my family, we paint ties. Um, we also have um, a school that we're building in Nigeria. And it just it just reopened after the COVID thing recently. So just lots of different types of um, projects that I find interesting. You see, the more investments you have, the more you become a project manager full time, mm. right? So that gives you the comfort to know you can live your life, you can go on holiday when you please, and the rest of your life is spent, is spent doing different projects. So I probably would spend a lot of it doing a lot of pro you know, some pro bono and some funded projects and maybe investing in startups, right? From, 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 from underrepresented communities. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I won't be playing football probably <laughs> anymore because that was taking up a lot of my time. Um, so that extra time will just be spent, you know, enjoying my life. 
you know. I will get a, a nice car. I don't know what, but a good, a good solid car. I am, <laughs> I am a car person. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that, you know, I like my cars. Um, but, you know, everyone's got what they like, you know. Whatever it is you like to do that makes you feel good, that makes you feel happy, if you can afford it, do it. And then just make sure it's not, you're not borrowing debt to finance watches and stuff like that. Just, you know, live below your means. And the same thing applies to investing. Invest below your means. Wicked, wicked. Um, question four. What are your long-term money goals? Um, interesting question. Let's forecast over the next 10 years. I just want to be, do you know what? I, I, I'm, I, I just want to be financially okay and also in a position where I can help other people to be financially okay. And if there's still more, then it's investing in, you know, just what I said earlier, like businesses that I feel can need my support. And, you know, I, I, do, have a, I do have an altruistic mindset. You know, I, I tend to put others first a lot. Um, but at the same time, I do know how to enjoy life as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just striking the right balance. But I'm not someone that, you know, has a desire to be like a billionaire or, you know, if you're a billionaire, <laughs> I've met, my old boss was a billionaire. Okay. And his whole life is spent moving money around. No, because you're, if you're a billionaire, right, that's wealth that's going up and down. You are forced to become an investor. Yeah. And one thing I'll say to everyone, you're all going to be wealthy. You're all going to do, 20 years from now, you're all going to be doing really, really well in your career, right? You're all going to be doing really, really well in your career. So you're going to get to a point where you're going to have to need to know how to invest. And that's another benefit of learning how to invest now. And before we get on to how people can um, find out more about stock pickers, uh, you, you've shouted out email. There's an easy question. There's an easy answer to that question. Follow the page and hit the link in the bio to join the Telegram group. All right. We've already done it. Ask your questions in that group. Literally, people yeah. will answer. Let's, let's, let's conclude with then... Um, Anyone you want to shout out? You shouted out Emmanuel, who are very. Oh, this is the bit when I'm going to start forgetting names. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, I do realize. Yeah, every, that. You know what? Everyone that has supported me, you know, there's some people who go out their way, like send me a message and say, Debs, your logo is dead. Or Debs, your. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you want to see the old logo? I'm going to, I'm going to do it before and after. Mm-hmm. One of my followers just, that I don't know, decided to create mm-hmm. me a logo. The new logo that you see out here was created by someone I didn't know before who liked my work and said, you know what, I'm a graphic designer, I'm going to help you out. And I believe in that. I do a lot of favours for people, but I don't expect favours back. Yeah. Right? But every now and again, people have helped me out. Um, and I really do appreciate those people. Some of them don't like to be shout, shouted out. Some of them probably won't even be on the live. Right? But I, at the same time, I know how to say thank you right which is why i'm trying to put the thank you culture into the group because once you know how to say thank you that energy goes through and you just start doing well right so you know thanks to guys like yourself e-manifest you know ronish um bola uh, my family the uh, my first few clients 
the OGs from the WhatsApp group, um, the mentoring club, because um, I do have a mentoring club, and this is for people who are using my strategy. Um, so, yeah, you can find out a bit more about that as well. Um, everyone who likes my post, this is important. When I post here, yeah, within five seconds, I want to see a double tap, right? <laughs> because Instagram doesn't want Instagram doesn't want me to be great. So you guys just like, like, just keep hitting the double tap. And I'll try and ask a few things in my post to drive a bit more engagement. Um, it's still a new journey for me. So I appreciate all the support that I'm getting at the moment. Um, but the end goal, really, I want people in 10 years' time not to just say, oh, you know what, I learned a lot on Debs' course. I want to say, listen, I learned a lot of my clients have actually made more than the cost of the course before they finish their session five. And that was fantastic for me to see. And then to see so many beginners telling me, Debs, you told me to target 20%. I've made 70%. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, listen, just make, take it. When the sun shines, make hay. Because next year might be a bit more challenging, right? 20%, I think everyone should be able to do this with my strategy. That's what I target. That's what I get everyone else to target. Wicked. That's a fantastic point on which to end on just before Instagram locks us off. Thank you to you, Debs, for coming on the episode this week. It's really gratifying to uh, be able to chat with you, having known you yeah. for over a decade. Thank you to everyone Thank who's you. tuned in at home. We've on. had 50 to 60 people on this live this evening for an hour. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments and questions. Make sure you follow the Stock Pickers Academy page. Make sure you tap the link in that bio. And make sure you double tap the next post to come from Stock Pickers. We'll be back here at the same time next week, Monday. I hope everyone has a great rest of week. Take care. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.